0: Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony. Well, if this is your first time listening to this show, well, thank you very much. And if you are a repeat listener, well, then I also want to say thank you for coming back and listening to each and every show. Please don't forget to visit my website when you get a chance, libertyonfire.org where you can get the podcast directly over the internet and links to support pages for the show to help keep the lights on and for some of the products that I'm going to recommend who I happen to be an affiliate marketer for. So if you want to support the show and you're interested in some of the products that I'm helping to promote, then go to my website and either make a donation on the Patreon page, which of course will also be in the show notes, or check out some of the products I'm advertising and see what you think. But remember to click on it through my link at my website or through the show notes. If you are a social media person, well, then you can also check me out on Twitter at L O F Podcast. So that's L O F Podcast. And please don't forget to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever medium you're using to download and listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Okay, so I have several things I want to talk to you about. The interview with Donald Trump and Sean Hannity over the weekend, and the complete collapse of the Democratic Iowa caucus on Monday night. I was going to do the State of the Union, I guess, discussion on this podcast, but that, that could be one big podcast on its own, and I'll see if I can get Joey on for that, for uh, that analysis. So let's, let's just start with a theme. Keep this in the back of your mind, right? And the title of this podcast and the theme is going to be that Donald Trump is a marketing genius and Michael Bloomberg, not so much. Okay, so while researching this subject, I found an article by this guy, David Scott, who calls himself a marketing strategist and is uh, a best-selling author of eight books, including three international bestsellers. And he's a professional speaker on topics that include marketing, leadership, and social media. Okay, so he's got experience, right? So a couple of years back, he writes an article, and it's titled, How the Best Marketer Was Elected President and what it means for your business. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes, but I'm going to kind of give you a rundown on the article in this podcast anyway. So, he starts out the article by saying that Donald Trump started with a strong and memorable message from the moment he announced his candidacy for presidency. Make America great again. MAGA. Everybody knows this slogan. It's everywhere. It's easy to say, it's easy to put on hats and buttons and t-shirts, and it makes you feel good about your country. Mr. Scott also points out that unlike the Obama election in 2008, which was based more on hope, the 2016 election was more about fear, about fear of what if the other person wins, what's going to happen to the country. And he concluded that Trump did a much better job than Hillary in marketing for this fear. He also commented on uh, that people, like Jeb Bush, used outdating marketing approaches, which basically ended up giving him four electoral votes despite him spending $139 million. He also said that the Clinton campaign, they were way too dependent on research, surveys, and marketing agencies, and they didn't have the pulse of the American people at the time. And this isn't in the article. But Hillary coming out and calling half the country a basket of deplorables probably didn't help either. David summed up his article by saying that Trump primarily relied on two strategies. One was free and the other was relatively low cost. Twitter was free and his campaign rallies are relatively low cost. This is what he used to help win the nomination and then the presidency. It was estimated that Donald Trump generated more than five billion dollars of free media using these strategies more than any other candidate. so you can imagine Hillary, who has spent uh, i think spent like one billion or one point five billion whatever it was, she was dwarfed by the amount of free media that Trump generated for himself. I have a few other interesting tidbits here, all right, you should all know who Jim Acosta is, right. So anyway, he is the CNN chief White House correspondent, and this was one of the guys that Trump yelled at during a news conference and said that CNN was fake news. Well, even Jim Acosta came out a while ago in an interview and said that Donald Trump is a branding expert. He is a marketing genius. Well, guess who else called Donald Trump a true genius at marketing? Well, you're never going to guess. i will just going to tell you. It's Bill Clinton. He had an interview uh, one night with Stephen Colbert and explained why Donald Trump continues to dominate the Republicans. He called him a master brander and the most interesting character in the field. Trump tells it like it is, and the voters want to hear that. Okay, so we have other evidence as well that Trump knows what he's doing in the business world. The obvious credentials are that he's a billionaire. He's the most well-known real estate mogul alive. There are other billionaires out there who have been more successful than Trump in real estate, but Trump is the most well-known. This is because of branding and marketing. Trump puts his big name on just about every project and building that he owns. This is on purpose. When you go and stay at a Trump resort, you know you are staying at a Trump resort. It's in your face. This is all about building his brand and getting more and more name recognition. If you live in a Trump building, you get to see his name in big, fat gold letters, which remind you every day that you are in a Trump building. Again, this is all about branding and name recognition. Aside from real estate, Donald Trump has has had one of the most successful and most watched TV shows ever, The Apprentice. Now, Trump is obviously no linguistic genius. In fact, like 95% of the show... It was really not about Trump at all. He just came in at the end and fired everybody. But I did watch the show for a few seasons, and I liked it. It was pretty entertaining. Millions of other people felt that way about the show as well, and this was obvious because of that show's great ratings. So because of Donald Trump's extraordinary ability to brand and market his name, he had a huge advantage when it came to going up against these run-of-the-mill politicians who have never had a real job in their life, have always been involved in politics, and know nothing about marketing and branding. Now, you might say, well, it's not Trump doing all this, it's his marketers and the people he hires. Well, that could be a fair criticism, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Now, as you can see, millions of his fans and supporters love the fact that he goes around and calling corporate media fake news. This really didn't exist before Donald J. Trump. Millions of people probably felt that way before, but they never said it on national TV. Trump was the first one to do that, and people loved him for it. So this is a Trumpism. This is something he did on his own. Again, a marketing genius. Now let's go to Trump in his interview with Sean Hannity. This was a quick interview where Sean Hannity at one point just asked Donald Trump, Uh, for kind of like quick response answers to certain names. And let's hear what Donald Trump had to say. Now, if you want to see this interview, I'm sure you can find it on Fox News or YouTube. And it was over the weekend. And I'll try to put a link into it, uh, into the show notes for you guys. So Hannity says, Joe Biden. Trump's response is, sleepy Joe. He's having a hard time. So next he says, Hunter Biden. Trump says, where is Hunter? Hunter. Crooked, dishonest. Bernie Sanders. Communist, but honest. Democratic rigging against him. Elizabeth Warren. Trump says, fairy tale, Pocahontas. This woman can't tell the truth. Michael Bloomberg. Trump says, very little. He wants to stand on a box for the debates. Hillary Clinton email scandal, disgrace, Nancy Pelosi, confused, nervous, radical left takeover. So you see what he did there? This is why I say Trump is a marketing genius. He has these little nicknames or phrases for people that are working against him in politics. Some of them are obviously running for the Democratic 2020 nomination, Some people would say that these remarks are petty and beneath the office of the president. Well, maybe so, but Trump is trying to win next year. He's not trying to look presidential, whatever that means. In fact, Trump hasn't looked presidential much in the past, given his comments about people and calling out the fake news organizations. But he also knows that a large number of voters actually like this. A large number of voters hate the politicians but love their country. He is tapping into that group. People who wouldn't normally vote for Trump are thinking, well, I don't like him any more than all those other corrupt politicians, but at least he seems sincere about putting America first. So, anyway, a lot of people are going to hear this interview, not necessarily because they have watched the interview with Sean Hannity on Fox News, but because Stupid organizations like CNN are going to play this, like MSNBC, ABC, CBS. They're all going to play parts of this uh, Fox News interview, and their goal will be to hurt Trump. But that's not what's going to happen. By covering this Hannity interview on all these leftist progressive stations, they are ensuring that millions more people we will see this interview than otherwise should have. For example, right? CNN, Brian Stelter, on his horrible show, came out and specifically said in his panel that there is no evidence that Michael Bloomberg wants to stand on a box for the debates. Just think about the optics on this. That CNN is out there doing the bidding of Donald Trump is hilarious. By confirming that Michael Bloomberg is just little, and Donald Trump says he is, but he doesn't really want to stand on a box, is just playing into Donald Trump's hands. CNN doesn't even realize that they're helping Trump. The fact that they had to come out and say that isn't true just makes people think about it more. And now when people go into the voting booth and they have, the, they have these little nicknames and phrases in the back of their mind that Donald Trump put into their heads that CNN and other crazy leftist corporate media helped to propagate, They're going to be thinking about those things, and they might pick Trump. So again, we already know that Trump rules the internet, basically via Twitter. No other president has carried a message directly to the people like this president has. Trump is making the corporate media obsolete. And when they go against him and repeat his talking points for him, they don't even realize that they're actually helping him. That's how dumb they are. This is another example of how the Trump is the king of internet trolling and a marketing genius. Now let's contrast that with Michael Bloomberg. So if you watched the Super Bowl over the weekend, you saw a commercial from Donald Trump and from Michael Bloomberg. The Trump commercial I thought was very good, basically showed a a black family getting one of their family members back who was put in jail for something she probably shouldn't have gone to jail in the first place for. Donald Trump is sending a message that he's interested in and already has done a good amount of criminal justice reform and is interested in doing more. This is a huge issue for a lot of voters, especially for people who have family members that were sent to jail for nonviolent drug offenses and it just so happens that there's a large number of blacks in jail I would say unjustly for these nonviolent drug offenses and Donald Trump is sending a message to them that we're gonna help you out and get your family members out of jail again marketing genius Michael Bloomberg on the other hand on Super Bowl Sunday decides to run an anti-gun ad During the biggest game of the entire year, millions of people from around the world, and more importantly, millions of voting Americans, are watching this game. Approximately 129 million people voted in the 2016 presidential election. About 102 million people were estimated to have watched the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. Not sure how many of those 102 million are actual voters, or people that will actually show up at the polls in November, but I can bet the vast majority of those people watching the Super Bowl are pro-gun. So I do have to say that Michael Bloomberg probably ran the worst possible ad you could run during the Super Bowl. Why didn't he run an ad on healthcare or education or something else? He basically violated the number one rule in advertising, which is know your audience. Does this make any sense to anybody that you run an anti-gun ad during when most of the people watching the ad are pro-gun? Do you actually think you're going to convince any people with an ad who already disagree with you? Anyway, that was the contrast I was looking for to get across the difference between a genius marketer. And someone who just wants to spend a lot of money but needs help with marketing. Okay, so I'm going to go off on a quick tangent here. Many of you probably don't like the fact that I'm now reading commercials into the podcast. Well, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, Too bad. I have to. So I'm paying for the podcast out of pocket, right? This little hobby costs me money every month. And I got to try to get some money back. Okay, so... If there's any of the products that you might be interested in and you're going to buy them anyway, well then use my link because then I get a little bit of a kickback, okay? I also have a direct donation page if you don't want any of those uh, products and it's with Patreon. So I've been doing this podcast for just about a year and I've gotten zero people to purchase any of those products, which I all like and I think they're all good. And I've gotten zero dollars in donations. Okay, so just keep that in mind when you have to kind of fast forward through some of the commercials. You know, I got to try to get some money back for this podcast and at least make it pay for itself. Right now, it's coming all out of pocket. Anyway, so here are the commercials. I'm an affiliate marketer for several different companies, which I do recommend if you're interested in such products. And you have my word that I'm only going to promote stuff that I actually use and that I actually think is a great value. So I want to tell you a little bit about Captivate FM. I use Captivate FM as my podcast hosting platform, and it's probably the best podcast hosting platform there is. Captivate is said to be the apple of podcast hosting, and the value is certainly undeniable. And you can get seven free days just for trying it out. I host my podcast through Captivate, which is the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, and you can too. Next up is the McClanahan Academy. So this is at mcclanahanacademy.com and that's M-C-C-L-A-N-A-H-A-N. And a little bit about Brian McClanahan who created this academy. He's an author of six books and a renowned historian. He got his PhD in history at the University of South Carolina. He has written numerous articles for many websites and magazines. He has nine courses for sale right now on his website, covering pre- and post-Civil War American history. And he's a fantastic historian and will give it to you straight. And the next product I want you to check out is called Liberty Classroom. And you can go to libertyclassroom.com to take a look. And you can get the history and economics they didn't teach you in school. Several fantastic historians and economists have courses on this site, which you can play over the internet or through a phone app on such topics as philosophy, American history, Western civilization, the American presidents, and the interesting connection between science fiction and liberty. You can also get courses on history of economic thought, current economic thought, and remember, this is the true history you didn't get in school without the political correctness that we all love to hate. And please remember, if you're going to try out any of these products, I only get credit if you click on one of them through either my website or through the show notes on my podcast. Okay, now I can get back into the show. Now, I also checked out Michael Bloomberg's website and looked at some articles uh, on some of his tax plan to save America. It's reported as being some sort of $5 trillion tax plan targeting the wealthy and corporations but he really targets every single American in addition. And I wanted to give you guys some details. Number one, he wants to reverse all the Trump tax cuts that were already put into place. This doesn't just hit the wealthy, okay? This hits everybody. Number two, he wants to add a 5% tax on millionaires for both their employment income and their investment income. I find this very hypocritical because he is already a billionaire. So the message he's sending is that, yeah, I know I'm already rich, and now that I'm already rich and have my billions, I'm gonna tax everybody else who's trying to get rich. Doesn't that come across as a little disingenuous to you? He also wants to raise long-term capital gains tax rates. He wants to boost the estate tax, in other words, lowering the amount you can exclude from the IRS when someone dies. And I'm not really sure how dying really becomes a taxable event with the IRS, but again, I think it's just another example of how the government wants to separate you from your money. He also wants to increase the corporate tax rate. So I did a podcast, a whole podcast on this and why the corporate tax rate should be zero. And if you're interested in that and and what I say about that, well then go back and listen to that episode, please. He wants to work on closing additional tax loopholes. Well, obviously, I think this is a horrible idea. We need more loopholes, not less. I think everybody should get as many loopholes as they can. In this way, we can have the government steal less of what we make. He wants to beef up and strengthen the IRS. Not sure what that exactly means. Maybe give them the ability to come down on taxpayers harder and you know, question more returns in order to try to steal more money from people. The way the whole IRS collects taxes and goes after people is antithetical to our justice system in the first place. For example, you send in a return, and on the return, you state whether you and or your accountant figured this out, that you, you owe the government money or the government owes you money. The IRS goes through a handful of these not sure how many probably in the tens of millions and they either agree or disagree or the government specifically targets certain individuals sometimes politically motivated and does an audit of your personal and or business return. And here's where the IRS has this unprecedented amount of power that you just don't see in our legal system anywhere else. There is no presumption of innocence. You are automatically presumed guilty by the IRS and automatically assumed to owe that money to to the IRS, and then you have to go through all the hoops and legal battles to justify that you don't owe the money. The government doesn't have to prove that you owe the money, but you have to prove that you don't owe the money. Now, obviously, in our legal system, there is supposed to be a presumption of innocence first, and the prosecutor has to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So the last thing in the world on my list, or at least one of the last things, would be to give the IRS any more power. Okay, so now we kind of have to talk about this Iowa caucus debacle. Some things that came to mind at the time were, this is hilarious, extreme incompetence, rigging against Bernie, misinformation, pathetic, It's like watching a train crash, lack of transparency, and disaster. So if you don't know, Monday night, the Democratic Party or operatives involved in the Iowa caucus were trying out some sort of new app to count the votes and tally everything up for the primary. Well, it didn't really go as planned. The app completely crashed, and then their backup plan crashed as well. So the Iowa caucus delegates even by noon of the following day on Tuesday, were still not divvied up. And a bunch of Bernie supporters came out, of course that night and the next day, and called it rigging. And there has been evidence in the past of elections being rigged against Bernie Sanders. Right? Don't you remember Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and news organizations? They did it to Bernie Sanders in the last election. And now they're changing the rules in the Democratic primary in order to kind of give an avenue for Michael Bloomberg to get in on the next debate. And we have recently Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Elizabeth Warren all stabbing Bernie Sanders in the back on national TV. So there's a good amount of establishment bias against Bernie Sanders in the first place. Now, Joey and I spoke about the reasons why in the last podcast, so if you missed any of that, please go back and listen to that show, Anyway, everybody and their brother-in-law who has a Twitter account had a comment about this Iowa caucus debacle. Van Jones on CNN chalked it up to racism. Can you believe that? Trump came out and called it an unmitigated disaster. He wasn't the only one. People on the left, in the center, and on the right all mentioned that it could be rigging against Bernie Sanders. Hmm. Overall, the optics are horrible for the Democratic Party, and excellent for Donald Trump. Some news stations, and um, you know, the CNN is one of them. And just about everywhere on Twitter, you saw memes and statements about the about how the Democratic Party wants to take over healthcare and education by getting rid of private healthcare and private insurance. They want to get rid of charter schools and private schools. They want to do all these grand things, but they can't even count the votes for a single state. For a primary election. I think this will resonate with the voters come November of this year. How could you possibly turn over the reins to this party to control a huge part of the economy and control the education of your children when they can't even count a couple of votes? Did this whole thing happen on purpose? Was it all rigging? Was it the Russians? Well, maybe Adam Schiff knows. Anyway, we'll probably never get the answer to some of these questions, But again, it doesn't look good. How can you go forward and say, don't worry, trust me on healthcare, trust me on education, trust me with your tax dollars, and then, yeah, one day we'll figure out this whole election counting thing. It doesn't exactly breed an air of confidence. So the update that I have for you guys on this, you know, Iowa Democratic uh, counting number vote debacle thing. This is what we got as of, let's say, 11 a.m. on Wednesday. With 71% reporting, Pete Buttigieg is at 26.8% with 11 delegates. Bernie Sanders is at 25.2% with 11 delegates. Elizabeth Warren, 18.4%, and she has 5 delegates. Joe Biden, 15.4%, and zero delegates. Amy Klobuchar, twelve point six percent, zero delegates. Okay, now the polling from Real Clear Politics the day of the primary had Bernie Sanders in the lead at twenty three percent, Biden second at nineteen point three percent, and Buttigieg third at sixteen point eight percent. Clearly, Buttigieg outperformed his polling big time, and Joe Biden significantly underperformed. Remember, Biden was expected to come in second, but he finished fourth. This is a really bad start for him. Maybe the Ukraine corruption with his son has caught up to him with the voters. Maybe he should stop sniffing hair of little girls. Maybe he looks like he should be sitting on a rocking chair on a porch someplace with a bunch of other retired people. I don't know. But the obvious comment is that this isn't good. And if you thought the race was between Biden and Bernie... And then if Bernie takes New Hampshire next week, which he's expected to do, this could represent the downward spiral of the establishment pick Joe Biden. Okay, so I got to pull Elizabeth Warren into this. If Elizabeth Warren wasn't in the race, Bernie's numbers would be huge. He would be the front runner. So basically, Bernie Sanders would be the nominee if it wasn't for Elizabeth Warren taking away some of his votes. And that's why the establishment wants to keep Elizabeth Warren in the race. She has no chance of winning, but she also helps pull down Bernie Sanders' numbers. And the establishment doesn't want Bernie to win. So there you go. Okay, let's move on. Trump will likely get acquitted today in the Senate. So one last thing on this topic. If you still believe that the Russians meddled in the 2016 election in order to get Trump elected, there is really nothing more I can do for you. No amount of evidence will ever convince you otherwise. Despite everything we have seen, remember, no collusion in the two-and-a-half-year Mueller report investigation probe, the IG investigation by Horowitz demonstrating all the errors and fake evidence by the FBI that they used to get the FISA warrants, The complete craziness by Nadler and Adam Schiff and the others to try to reverse the 2016 election results. And this sham trial where the Republicans weren't allowed to call any witnesses of their own for the House impeachment. So despite all of this, if you are still convinced that there was Russia collusion to benefit Trump, well, then you're a lost cause. Let me just give you one other example of the ludicrous accusations by Adam Schiff. Just the other day, he came out in the Senate trial and suggested that Donald Trump could possibly sell Alaska to the Russians in order to win the next election. Can you believe the lies and the nonsense that this guy is spreading? You'd honestly have to be a true idiot to believe something like this. As Joe Biden would say, come on, man. The American people know better and Donald Trump should sue him for libel. Okay, so I want to wrap up this podcast now. The podcast covered several topics with the theme that Trump is a marketing genius. His Make America Great Again slogan in 2016 certainly garnered more support than the I'm with her slogan of Hillary Clinton. The new 2020 slogan of Keep America Great, the Fake Russia Collusion, the Sham Impeachment Trial, the horrible injustice demonstrated in the IG report by the FBI, the to-be-soon-released John Durham and Bill Barr investigation, the Hunter and Joe Biden corruption, the Bernie Sanders socialism or communism, the Michael Bloomberg little man standing on a box for the debates and trying to buy the election, the Pocahontas fake Indian Warren who can't tell the truth. All these things, I believe, will help propel Trump, the marketing genius, to victory in 2020. Okay, guys, thank you for listening, and let's remember to keep those fires of liberty burning bright.